Just Us. The Just Us League. All right. Are we official? Should I clap? There it is. There's the clap. It's a clap. I clapped again. It's a Did you clap on one or two or four or what'd you do? I clapped on 13 out of a bar of 1916. Perfect. So, yeah, duh. That's where it always comes in. Never let your friends clap on 12. <laughs> always make sure you do oh, it on 13. 13 out of 19. <laughs> You know, I did have a. I've had an idea for like a multiple series of records to just stay in like some time signature through the entire thing. Yeah, every song is in five, or every song is in thirteen, or every song is in whatever, and just make it so it feels normal, and not not like to be like weird either. Like to actually make it where you're like, this grooves, you know, like the whole album grooves or whatever, and you're like. Holy cow, it's actually all in 13 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, that would be great. Why do it in four? I mean, everybody has an album full of four. Yeah, I mean, certainly, yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking. So that's, that's a great that's a, that's a goal. It's a, it, it, mark it down for the contest. That's right. So here we are on episode three of Wood Aaron Metal for 2022, season two in 2022. It's crazy. It's almost February 2nd. I know, yeah. I have a, it's funny, I have a gig February 2nd, which is this... Two 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 zero two two or whatever. Yep, it's uh, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it's an anagram or the flippable thing. Anagram is that it? Anagram? Yeah, it is it. Palindrome? Is it palindrome? Is it gonna be that? No, it's a, I don't know. Complicated words. It's late too, at night. Too late for that. Yeah, too many, too many new students, which is not a bad problem. So it's uh, with all of our wonderful uh, sicknesses and. So, don't worry, they'll be gone in a month or so. <laughs> yeah, my rate, you have failed me. Get out. Oh, no! Oh, man, it's good. It's exciting. So I, I, I like that. It's, it's a lot, but I'm like, I'm not looking forward to the end of this week when we're supposed to get nailed with snow and i got to drive an hour and a half each way. I'm like, uh, this could be interesting. Yeah, so just, in our part of the world, it's just been snowing, like, endlessly. But. Yeah, which Anyways, it normally does, but yeah. it's been easy lately. Like, the last couple of years have been really easy. This I year, feel like this like, is the most we've had that I can really remember. From, from uh, when I first here. moved to this place, it, we got nailed, and that was, like, seven years ago. Um, Maybe, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a hit or miss. Uh, anyway, yeah, hey, hey, good to see everyone. It's been, uh, mm-hmm. we actually haven't recorded one this year in 2022 yet. So yeah, we, that's right. We I'll hope you enjoyed the uh, the new interviews, but those were actually recorded last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are good. That was fun. It's hysterical, though. You get in front of your old professor and he's still interminating. You know, know, it's like, like right here that it's like, <laughs> did I say something weird? How'd we do, Steve? Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you might want to take it back to the drawing board. And you might want to use a metronome next time. So. <laughs> Have you guys even rehearsed this at all? No. That was half of a bourbon talk. <laughs> Knob Creek, mind you. So got to keep that going. You know, so, so much has happened in, in a good way. You know, Spherical's Agenda uh, album came out. Oh, and yeah. That was fantastic. Yeah, it was so great. Make sure you check out that episode if you haven't. Amazing fusion band from Cincinnati, believe it or not. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, well, hey, Cincinnati's in the Super Bowl of all crazy Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, maybe you do believe it. (laughs) I would. I mean, good Lord. That was, I don't even watch the games. I just, uh, all my fantasy football leagues, but I jump in just for bragging rights. Do you have fantasy football still through playoffs? Uh, No, Um, but the league still comments on all the games and everything. And then somebody started doing that uh, 
like pick them uh, sort of thing or something? Yeah, the fan duel thing. So I jumped in on that and, you know, it got promptly destroyed because I was like, this guy and this guy and this guy because I'm too busy practicing to worry about football or something yeah. like that. I'm so out of it now. I, I couldn't tell you one player on any of the teams. And the only reason I know that a Cincinnati and L.A. Rams play is that my siblings all do, like, food. Like, the way they do the Super Bowl is, like, if Cincinnati and L.A. are there, then they're going to make food the day that's, like, Cincinnati and L.A. food. That's the only thing. Okay. So they're like, oh, man, what are we going to do for, you know, Cincinnati's easy. L.A. is kind of a weird mishmash of yeah. things. Whoa, 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 wait, Cincinnati is weird. What does Cincinnati have for food? <clears throat> uh, they have chili. Okay. Yes, I didn't know that. They're also relatively known for ribs. Really? Yeah. All right. I'm cool with that. And then, uh, yeah, so they have that, like, weird cinnamon chili thing or whatever. You ever had that? Can't say that I have. You haven't? You've never gone to Skyline Chili? No. I mean, I passed a Skyline. I probably passed several. Oh, you have to go sometime just because it's weird. Now, now I have to. Like, now I just gotta yeah, try Yeah, so it's like a Cincinnati cinnamon? staple. So you do like a cinnamon-based sort of chili thing. It's pretty weird. And All then right. they usually put it on like spaghetti. Alright, that's just insulting. <laughs> <laughs> that's insulting to my people. I know, but, but it's a thing though, you know? Like, it's, you know, whatever. It's like having pizza in Chicago. It's, it's different. Yeah, I know. Listen, I'm all about starting uh, when you're... Uh, in a, in a town, you get that town's food. There's a reason why it's on the on yeah. the map. Sure. Stuff like that. So. Anyway, since you representing, I guess. Yep. All right, what yeah. else? Continue. So, so, so what else? Agenda? So, Spherical Agenda came out with their thing. Um, yeah. Trying to think by the end of the year. What else? Uh, oh, by the end of the year? So you're saying not something that just came out? Not something that just came out. I mean, whatever we can recall, because there's a... Wait, you know, I can just open my iTunes, and that will tell me. Or iTunes. Dated myself. It's Apple Music now. Uh, let's see. We got... Uh, well, Paul Gilbert had a Christmas album, which I kind of listened to once. Oh, really? Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah I got to give it a couple of more listens. Um, next Christmas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> next Christmas, exactly. And that's pretty much the only ones that I really, like... Uh, I pulled up. So didn't you that. say uh, Big Wreck put something out, right? Yeah, Big Wreck. Oh, yeah, that's right. Big Wreck came out with something on, like, December 21st or something like that. Yeah. It's an EP. I haven't listened to it yet. It's just sitting there uh, in the library. But let's see. The the big, like, guitar news, at least for me, is the, the new Vibe album dropping. Yeah. The, yeah, over the, the last Friday, which was perfect because I started the drive, and it's like, sweet, I listened to the album. And I got through it like the first time. And car driving is always hit or miss. Like it's tough to really experience it yeah, sure. at the level that I would like. And so I listened to it. And I'm like, it's like, all right, it's another Rye album. It's cool. I like it better than the last one, Modern Primitive. And uh, we'll kind of like. And then I got home and I threw on these and listened to it. And I'm like, okay, this. Or no, the second time I listened to it, I listened to it on my HomePod when I was taking care of stuff. And which is surprisingly sounds good for its size for like what you expect. It's like, oh. They're actually, it has a bass presence and it's actually kind of like well done. And it, it, it hooks me a little bit more. And then um, the uh, last thing, time I listened to it, I threw these on and it was like, okay, 
this is cool. I mean, granted, that's the best headphones to listen to it. And then today when I was on campus, I ended up having a student uh, uh, cancel on a lesson, and I threw on my Nobles and put it on. And it sounded great on those, and that was really cool. So the stereo separation was much, much more prevalent on the in-ears than it has on the big guys. As much as these are, it was just yeah, like interesting. clear. It, it, <clears throat> it's another in your ears, duh. Well, so I mean, the, well, it's interesting because I, I feel like the Grottos that I have – which are over here, are ten times wider sounding than the nobles. Well, I don't say I'm not saying like in terms of uh, um, in terms of the um, soundstage. Like I'm talking in just clearly just left and right separation. You know, even even there though, I think really it's, it's all right, way wider. So yeah, the, that's the what nobles, I noticed when I listen like, to the Vi thing. Oh I, no, 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 no! You're right. You're right. It's not that wide. I, I see what you're saying now. <clears throat> I was. Yeah. It's like it's. I was strictly thinking like when something is on the right, it's really on the right, oh, and when something right. is on the left, it's really on the left. You know, and these do the same thing, but it has a little bit more blending to it. So, mm. um, so that was. Uh, I, I'm really liking it now. Like it's like it's getting constantly played. I'm enjoying that a whole lot. The uh, Arcacto the drop a new signal single single yeah too many words and too much bourbon uh so and that's pretty cool i like their stuff it's like happy gent that's the only way that i can put it and i, I love don't get me wrong i love the metals the, the in the dark and angry stuff but you know the, the, their stuff is it's cool it's got some nice hooks to it great grooves and so on uh and i've always got a soft spot in my heart for satriani like i grew up listening to him and his new stuff is it, it's more Satch, and that's not a bad thing. It's just it's just him. So and it's he's just got a, such a distinct songwriting flavor to it. So it's only one track off his new album comes out in April, and then Zaza dropped his first single for uh, Premiere, and it's great. I mean, it's like you know all the stuff talking about like just doing rock. And it's called Big Rock. And this thing is like if ACDC had a virtuosic guitar player on there and just like stuck to the, the just the anthem style rock and roll, boom, it's there. Like it's, it's sure. great work with the keys and everything. It's a great track. And it's, it sounds freaking phenomenal in these. So that's kind of like where my listening goes with that. Outside of that, uh, the piece that I have to play at Ashland. That uh, a procession winding around me, which is a total 180 from all the other stuff with rock guitar. This is like choir and guitar with it, and very modern. And I love, you know, I don't, I never realized how much I missed score study of just sitting there and opening it and just, you know, analyzing what's going on and listening to it and diving into the music. Sure. Um, it's so fun. And just seeing the way that the, like, I mean, the guy like separated a guitar and an orchestra. To, in such a good way that it's balanced, you know, and it's not just that there's so many freaking harmonics on it for the guitar. Like not just your seven, 12 and five or whatever. It's ninth fret harmonics and fourth fret harmonics, like all the stuff where it's like, yeah, good luck getting these to speak, especially over a choir, but where he's placed it in terms of like where the choir ends and the guitar comes in, just brilliant. Like yeah, brilliantly fun. done. It's really fun. It's also a hell of a lot of pressure because it's one guitar supporting an orchestra. So it's, you know, I sneeze or screw up. It's like, everything's just, gone though i have noticed from every recording that i've listened to the guitar player does it differently like everything like it's never straightened in time which is to be granted with a, a choir when they take raw entendos it's really slowing down um sure. 
and it's follow the conductor with all that. But it's that's kind of comforting, you know, that even though like they they miss like one of the extended techniques, like a golpe or a, a tapping on the fretboard, it's uh, like they'll strum it instead of hitting it. And I'm just like, was that a screw up? Because it's very easy to screw it up when you're reading it. You know, uh, I, my score is like highlights on every single time right. I'm supposed to tap just to make sure I do it. Maybe you um, couldn't hear it otherwise or something. Yeah, uh, I don't know. No, the tap's definitely louder than the strum, no doubt. Okay. Like, and and I don't mean like tapping on the strings to produce a note. I mean, mean like, like a, a golpe, yeah. you know, where it's slapping the strings um, by the bridge. And that, uh, like that was like, okay, so everybody's got their little interpretation to it. I'm going to see what the conductor exactly wants uh, when we, probably, bef- hopefully before the f- first rehearsal, just so I don't go in completely green and have to get that. It's like, I'm playing through it now, but it's very difficult to play through it with a recording because I can't see a conductor. So I'm not sure where exactly that is. Uh, so certain things come in, but I also just got the uh, uh, full score with the choir and guitar, not just the guitar part. So that's making it a little bit easier. And I'm in debates right now. It's like, do I want to do the full score or do I want just the guitar part? And I'm leaning towards full score just so I can see consistently where it all lines up. Yeah, sure. that made it a lot easier. And anyways, I'm rambling about that because I'm excited. You know, I got asked to play it. And it's yeah, like, so oh, just, yeah, just to level set a second, it's a really cool piece. It's basically like a choir and classical guitar piece. Mm-hmm. Um, like a whole set of, I don't, what is it like four movements or something? Yeah, four movements, about a half hour. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just really neat. And if you have, if you've never um, dug into choir music, I know in Adam Stardust, there's so much good stuff. Like, oh yeah, so, especially like with harmony. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that any other no, and there's no instrument I think, or even like orchestra that really represents what you can do with harmony quite as well as a choir. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Just, there's so many like really cool, like, man, you can get the harmony can get really thick and interesting. And like the overtones can be right because they can actually sing in pitch where like equal temperament can. And yes, all these kind exactly. of things. So there's yeah. all these really interesting things you can do. And if, if you haven't done, I mean, it's like goosebump city. If you haven't been oh, around yeah. like amazing choir, like mm-hmm. especially in person, it just kind of blows you away. So oh. yeah, that's exciting. I'm I'm excited for you. Yeah, so am I. And that that thing that like is in the back of my head. Am I, I going to be able to hold it together? Like listening to the choir because like just listening to the recordings every oh, yeah. again, it's so moving. As oh, a yeah, subject no, matter, yeah. well, you, you probably just have to let yourself go. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. I just yeah. don't think they want me sobbing or something. <laughs> a, we really want you to play there, dude. <laughs> it's a, okay, I'll get it together. But like, you know, it's like... I, they'll feed I, off I, of you, though. You, you show some yeah. tears and then they'll show some tears and then the crowd shows then, some tears. And, and that's it. Yeah, everybody's like, looking for clean action. <laughs> it's like a yawn, you know, you like, you started a... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's just the 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 poetry is from civil the Civil War, so it's like obviously very bleak, and uh, talking about all that, you know, and him sitting around, and it's it's very interesting to see. Like I don't know what side wrote the poems, like if it was the the North or the South with that in that regard, but uh, the guy was just talking about like. He, the first one is talking about just sitting around the fire, watching the army kind of move by. The second one's all about like the, the the battle starting, you know, with drums and bugles and here we go type of thing. And the third movement is about uh, the direct aftermath of the battle, where everything's nightfall now and everything's just kind of settling and yeah. bodies everywhere and so on. And the last one's about him like 
coming to terms with having to kill some or having killed somebody and seeing their body in the coffin and reflecting. It's like, you know, as much as this guy was my enemy, he was still a human being. And it's like, how do I reconcile my actions with what I just did there? So it's pretty light. Like stuff. Yeah, it's it's something for kids. It's up there with Sesame Street and you know Happy Go Lucky Rainbows, but it's gorgeous. So really, really, really well done. Sure, so that's cool. That's kind of like that I've been digging into with that, and then a ton of Leprous. They're like my, my band right now. It's everything's always them uh, nice. with that. So, so yeah, my my listening is completely the opposite of you. The last two two months, I've actually been re exploring something that I. Just haven't spent enough time with it, which was a lot of the like really classic jazz guitar player guys. Um, it really ne- it never really resonated with me when when I pretty much most of my life. <laughs> I mean, certain players did like West Montgomery did, but like so many of the other guys before the seventies, um, or even before the eighties and nineties, really didn't do it for me. So yeah, I just been going back, and I'm like, you know what? It's time to just take the ego or whatever is in my way that's like getting in the way and just really listen to these guys because mm-hmm. i mean there's some there's really some great stuff so just digging into like charlie christian and grant green and i mean like i've learned a bunch of grant green stuff and just really grant green's one of these guys like you can play two notes and they're just so perfectly like in the pocket like and th- that's it like then you're like Grandmaster, you know, like, mm-hmm. you're like, you just go, da, 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 or whatever. And you're like, all right, game over. Like you never, you will never play anything better than that in your entire life. <laughs> you can't, you can't actually do it because the way, the way that he played it is just so perfect. Um, in a sense, in, in terms of like the feel and the, the, the place it sits. So that kind of stuff, like I'm really going back and just, you know, just throwing myself in it. And now, I pretty much you, haven't listened to any like distorted guitar aside from the Vi thing, mm-hmm. just because it's Vi. But yeah. uh, I just really haven't. It kind of just doesn't sound that good to me <laughs> like right, right now. I'm just in this phase where I'm. I guess I'm just tired of hearing it. Even I don't well, know. I'm not even I'm, using it, it really. You know, like it makes sense. You know, eventually your ears get tired of something and your brain and everything else gets tired of one thing. Like I'll, yeah. I'll go through phases where it's nothing but cor- choral music right. and then I'll get into the thrash metal for nothing but that. And then I'll do a pop thing and then I'll do a jazz thing and then I'll go back to the metal thing or whatever. It's all a matter of things that just happen to tickle the fancy at the current. Yeah. That's all you can do really. But like on that note, like just a question about listening to those older guys. Do you think, like, do you find that the timing thing with them compared to modern players is a, a radical departure, or is it like something that? <clears throat> well, it's sort of interesting. So, yeah. one of the things I've always struggled um, with particular players is their time feel is really weird. Um, so, Grant Green's not one of them. Grant Green, West Montgomery, these guys are just like so in the pocket in the best way. Like, you're just like, man, like it's so good. But then there's other guys. I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna say their names just to not, whatever. But, yeah. um, I just really struggle with hearing, listening to them, and this is why I never really liked them. Is their time feels really weird. Um, it's not that good, like especially compared to like horn players. And so for the longest time, I've just been like, 
not listening to that guy. His time feels weird, you know, or something. Even yeah. though I've listened to like so many rock guitar players whose time feels stinks. But <laughs> like you just, it's like so, it's like a separate thing, like where jazz, that, that can mean a lot more. But what I, what I'm realizing now, by the way, like, and even like, I always felt like Segovia's time's weird. I'm going to pick on somebody. Like, no, anytime I've heard stuff, I'm always like, that doesn't groove or like, there's no like, He's not in a pocket or anything. He never plays like... You know, I've found that on his recordings to be... You're absolutely right with that. And then yeah. I've seen some like old video stuff of him. And because, you know, what's the way to put it? Just because of the, the mythos <clears throat> around him. Yeah. And it, granted, most of it is absolutely warranted because he put classical guitar oh, yeah. back on the map. You know, there's no denying that. And But I'll say like... Because I, I, I have like the whole Segovia CD collection. Well, I yeah. did have it on CD. I don't know where those CDs are anymore, but um, and it, like I listened to all those, and I was like, okay. And then I watched pretty recently. I watched some YouTube videos just just to see because I'm like, all right, there's got to be something out there. And man, like some of the videos were absolutely stunningly good. Like, yeah. So I think really, the- but vastly different than sure. the recordings. So <clears throat> so that that's sort of the same deal, right? Where it's like. You might first hear Segovia, and you're just like, it's not, I'm not feeling it, but you would be missing a lot, right? Like, you need to go back, like, as a classical guitarist in particular, right? Like, Segovia is important to spend probably an enormous amount of time studying, Mm -hmm. and that's how a lot of these guys are. Like, maybe I felt like their time was weird, but by doing that, then I'm like... I've just ignored like a really important chapter <laughs> yeah. of like development in the the language of jazz guitar, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what I realized is like my arrogance or something was in the way, and I I've really grown to appreciate it now. Yeah, I mean, do yeah. I? It doesn't mean that I'm saying like, oh, it's got the best time feel or whatever, or like that kind of thing or whatever, but I can appreciate what they were trying to do, like a lot of like voicing things and like little chord movements and all kinds of, like some of them are really creative mm-hmm. and like, it's really interesting stuff, you know? And if I can take that, like expectations hat off and just appreciate it for what it is, it's really like opened a huge door for me. And I've, I've learned so much about, I really learned a lot. Like it's really been very good for me as a musician to like go back and visit the history and not only like I'm also telling myself like learn it like mm. figure it out what they're doing like if I hear something cool I'm like I'm figuring it out yeah like, what is yeah. what is that thing like huh maybe or maybe I didn't like the timing of it but like that chord sequence that they did or that little like movement or whatever like I want that like that's a cool thing I should have that in my bag of tricks or whatever mm. so uh, I've yeah you know, I've really been going back and doing that and just. I've I've had like no I'm like, I've been, in the last like two months I've been filling up um, manuscript paper you know just writing down yeah. solos writing down chord movements writing down like it's just been a I've been a machine lately mm-hmm. with that stuff and man I've learned I've learned so much I've learned more in the last two months than I have probably in the last like ten years you know that's awesome though that's, that's yeah great. like I've just been really like instead of being like and it's all about like an, an attitude right like instead mm-hmm. of Saying like, "Why? Well, there's nothing I can learn from them. I'm only gonna learn from Rosenwinkel and all these cats, like the new people." I've, but I, but those like Rosenwinkel and those guys, they did the homework. You know what I mean? Like, yep. so I needed to do the homework because 
it's it's just important. So yeah, there's like, a lot of that. I, no, it, it that kind of brings me to a thing that I was thinking about earlier today is like, you know, most learning, at least if I'm remembering right, uh, happens in the frontal cortex of the brain. And as it gets repeated and more familiar and you get better at it, it moves further back with that. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, like, like maybe this is some of the influence of some of the young that I read or read is that like maybe collectively that also happens with like collective conscious. I know that sounds like I'm Eckhart Tolle or whatever, but I'm not even aiming at that. I'm aiming at it like psychologically as a species, maybe because, you know, you look at that, like with our interview with Steve, how we talked, he talked about like the level of playing to kids right now is just like so unbelievably high. And it's true, but it, I think it might be like that compression of like, as one person learning something, you get better at it. And that compresses down to something. So when you're teaching somebody else, you're giving them these nuggets that just like are condemned 30 years of experience condensed sure. and up there. And then they take that and they compress it even more and give that to the next generation. Yeah. And at least it, they should. And that, so we're ending up like at this point in time now where you've had such a compression ratio that the growth is a direct uh, result of that. Yeah. You know, that, that, that seed. Well, is you wonder though too, a little bit, like what is missing? Like yes. why, why is it, um, we like to listen to Julian Bream more than we like to listen to a new person or something. In I like part, to listen to a new person more. Well, I'm just I'm picking somebody who is pretty popular. And, yeah, and no, I think I that saying. part of it is um he invented some of it. You know what I mean? Like and you can hear it like in a sort of yeah. s- sort of way, right? Like you know that that was like going out on the limb. Mm-hmm. But like a new person like they didn't have to invent anything. Like they just did it because they learned it because 17,000 people before them did it and they yeah. just they just take but like the person who like developed it or like tried it for the first time there's like a spark or something that happens I think in the it's music it's like the old uh, not, sorry I don't mean to cut you off too much but no, 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 you're good. it's like there's an old saying and it's like you know pots are easy to make but the guy that made the first pot definitely was thinking way ahead of his time yeah right you know it's like and that's uh so and that's kind of the point we're like we're sitting on the shoulders of giants to an extent yeah or not to an extent but for sure so um you know that that kind of ties into that article about the new old music with versus the new thing i mean i know we were yeah. thinking of going a different direction but this seems to tie so let's kind of keep this uh, yeah so the atlantic article on. the atlantic article the uh the one that said, uh, is old music killing new music? Yeah. If you I haven't read this, you should go read it. It's, uh, it's Google the Atlantic is old music killing new music. And it says what? old songs now represent 70% of the U.S. music market. Even worse, the new music market is actually shrinking. <laughs> so that's what the, the part of it is. And it, it, it's got a lot of depressing things in it and to one extent. And it kind of goes with like the whole thing that we were talking about way long ago about like gatekeepers and sometimes in academia and in music and in yeah. art, you know, these guys that have like established themselves and kind of been like, well, the only way you can get in is if you do particular things and then we'll let you in, you know, and it's like, well, how do you get around that and carve yourself a niche in that same field yeah. rather than starting something new? And the answer is you do both 
<laughs> you know, it's like sometimes you get lucky and you can get your foot in the door. And other times, if you're determined enough and good enough, you'll form your own thing. You know, it's like he makes that yeah. point in the article. So, well, you know, like, so, man, there's so many things about this. Oh, article. yeah, no kidding. Um, but uh, I like one one stat that I heard that it's not in this article that is apropos and something to think about as we talk about it is that uh, Spotify gets 70,000 new songs a day or something like that. Holy crap. Like, wow. So, like, how do you even, like, com- it's so saturated. There's so much stuff. There's so much content that it's, like, impossible to even keep up. Like, you can never keep up. If no one ever put another song out again, you would need, you know, a thousand lifetimes to actually listen to all the music that's out there. So this is, like, the of recorded music. Like, you would need, like, a thousand lifetimes to actually listen to it all and never listen to something again. So that that's a that's an interesting problem as an artist who's trying to put out music and get people to hear it or whatever. Yeah, how do you get somebody's attention? Yeah. I just did. I grabbed my phone to do some math on that. I'm like, okay, seventy thousand songs. <laughs> you know, seventy thousand da 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 times. Let's just say three minutes a song, just to kind of average it down. You know, yeah. a little. Which that so that's two hundred and ten thousand minutes of songs, <laughs> and then you divide that by sixty. And that 3,500 hours of music yeah. is put out a day, right? You said a day. Like, yeah, something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no way you can keep up. Yeah. I mean, it's like 100 hours a week. That would be 35 weeks, so that's a little bit over. That's like seven months. Well, it's a not year. 100 hours uh, a week, but yeah, 200 hours. 110, yeah. 120 hours a week, isn't it? Well, it's 24 hours a day. So four days is basically 100 so five days, 125, 175 or whatever, 170. Okay, either way, you're not getting it done for a long time. And that's just one day's new music. Yeah. You know, if our averages even pan out. So how do you break through that? Sure. And the answer is you don't. <laughs> to an so extent, that, that's one huge that's problem that – and part of the reason that new music's not listened to is just too much of it. It's so saturated. Mm-hmm. There's too many albums. But, uh, you know, I thought – I think he mentions it in the article um, – just how big of an investment like a lot of the old catalogs are. And I yep. think that's – I was going to mention, and I was one of the things I wanted to type, but I didn't. was yeah. like, well, who's buying those catalogs? Very, very wealthy people. And what mm-hmm. do very, very wealthy people have? They have lots of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when they buy something, they want to promote it. So they're putting it in commercials and movies and all that stuff. So they're, and, and they're keeping it relevant. Like, so, yeah. like, of course those yep. old catalogs, they have, like – they have so much backing, like money and finances and all these things that keep it going. So even if people want to listen to new stuff, it's like they're so saturated with hearing the old stuff and like everything. Because, because they also want to make their money back. Yeah, they want to make you know, their money back. They're so they're drop five hundred thousand or five hundred million dollars on a catalog. The yeah. last thing you want to do is get into the hole with it. But and kudos to Taylor Swift for giving everybody the finger on that because that's like you know yeah it's freaking brilliant. She's like, oh, you you bought the rights to my songs, like. No. And so she recorded the entire albums again. Yeah, like, she's nobody's, doing, yeah. listening, nobody's listening to the old ones, and they're all listening to the new ones. So those guys, it's like the, the GameStop thing, except it's done in music with the artists. And, and kudos to her for doing that, because uh, I think that's brilliant. Like an sure. absolute F you to that. And I, I kind of like that idea. You know, it's um, what I, I pulled up, the, I'm in the article now, and it says like songs are 
song or recording rights sold since 2019? Bob Dylan, Whitney Houston, Beach yeah. Boys, Dolly Parton, Neil Young, Shakira, Bad Company, David Coverdale, Bruce Springsteen, David Crosby, Stevie Nicks, David Bowie, Barry Manilow, ZZ Top, Lindsey Buckingham, America, Paul <laughs> Simon, Tina Turner, Ray Charles, John Legend, James Brown, Taylor Swift, Motley Crue, and Mick Fleetwood. Those are guys, that means their entire catalogs are owned for somebody that's not Somebody them. else. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I think Sting's in there too. Like, didn't the police get bought out? Or not two? sure. Or yeah. something like, I think they sold his catalog for like $250 million, which, you know, if I'm just going to be performing, $250 million is like, okay. <laughs> There's certain numbers where it's like, well, this takes care of my family for generations. Yes. Right? Exactly. At least. One At least. Yeah. <laughs> One would hope, you know, that. that yeah. It, but yeah, that's uh, that, those are some big numbers, and so those guys that buy that, they do it in like a group investment. You know, it's like not only is it the oh, record yeah. company, but they bring all these investors in to say, "Hey, we're going to buy these things." Yeah, it's basically like stockbroker type people that yeah get enough investors. So there's fifty people or whatever, or five hundred people that buy these catalogs. Yeah, yeah, and they expect to make some money out of it. And I don't necessarily begrudge the idea. I begrudge the whole thing of quelching new music because of it you know it's like yeah that's great but you know screw you for taking away the chance for everybody else to develop yeah just made it it says another hurdle or whatever yeah now it's like okay unless you sound exactly like motley Crue, you know or or, or something like that they're not going to bother to put you on that particular station because that's what they want they want their money back um or whatever you know it's it's still like the underlying thing is there's so much old music it's out there that is being continuously replayed, which, you know, the other part of me, cause I, I'm not going to say that I'm going to try to balance this out, but it's just like the way that I think a, a little bit is like, okay, well, obviously some of this is royally sucks, but the other thing is like, well, some of the older tunes are good and have staying power for a reason originally, like they, they were yeah. that good and they created that much of a hook. So that's, it's like, why, why does nobody's bought the right to Bach, you know? Uh, to don't buy the right to Bach, you pieces of garbage. <laughs> don't get that idea. I, th- I think they've made so, that impossible for now, yeah, at least. Yeah, if, at least for now. Uh, but either way, like the point being that like those have clear staying power to, to some degree, and you can argue why they're staying in terms of like why people pick them out, and you know. May- yeah, and and so on. And there's a lot to be said with those different <laughs> academic stuff. Let's not get but, into the like German. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That 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 line. I was immediately thinking that, which you know, that did happen. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But at the same time, there was it's not to say that there wasn't a Bach revival going on behind the scenes, and Nazi Germany just took it to make it look like we're look at how good Germany is. It's you funny know, how the top ten composers, guy. most are German. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At least we're not speaking German. Um, but that also doesn't mean that there's the stuff that they were writing was necessarily bad either. Certainly. Yeah. Um, that, that, and that's, uh, that's usually my counter on to it. It's like, you're not wrong, but there's a, it's a bigger picture than just that. And I think that's also kind of what's going on a little bit with this is that like, of course they're going to be pushing these particular things, but thank God I haven't heard any, like any remixes of bad company or something like that. No offense to bad company, but uh, I lived through your original era. I don't want to repeat. Um, it's going to happen. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it'll probably, probably will, but hopefully by then, you know, I will, uh, it'll be blocked from my playlist. Apple's artificial intelligence will be like, yeah, this right. guy never listens to this. We're not going to suggest it. Did you um, see uh, this uh, Don't Look Up? Did you watch that? You hear about Not that? yet. I really want to. But uh, <laughs> I, This doesn't really give much away, but there's like a social media thing in there, right? Like, 
and it it's a, just imagine like where Facebook could go, and like some some rapper or somebody is on the TV and they're like, these people are watching it, and it's like my phone just bought one of his songs. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> like why did my phone just buy? Because it was like you were watching that thing, so it made some connection where it just bought it. So your phone's oh, gonna wow. one day just buy the bad company thing because you talked about uh, it today. God, now it's gonna show up in my <laughs> Amazon feed or something like that. It's my Amazon. It's like, why are you suggesting like, we've company? given you this free album? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only bad company I really liked was Battlefield Bad Company. That was a great game. So <laughs> got me through my undergraduate degree. Oh man. So yeah. So. The article continually says that, like, and this is one of the things that, like, you know, we're missing the cultivation of acts from the record company, where it gets an act that's kind of a little diamond in the rough and spends a couple of albums worth of money to develop yeah. them into a super. Like, yeah, so what, what have you done for me lately? Kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, now, and basically, yeah. and nowadays, if you're not showing up with like millions of fans, they don't even bother to look, you know, to an extent. Sure. Like, yeah, okay, yeah they, they A and R thing or whatever is dead. Mm-hmm. there's there is no a and r no not at all it's all a matter of do you like, have yeah do you wow, have wow. a instagram following of 20 million people and okay but sign this 360 deal where you're probably and, not yeah, making very exactly. much money yeah in terms of the overarching corporate thing that's a problem but in terms of the little guy it also gives you know with that much information being available it kind of gives you a little bit more of a shot because if you can start to build a following it's like you can get in under the radar. And that's one of the things that the article concludes with. He's like, you know, the record companies of previous days never saw rock and roll coming. And all of a sudden Elvis shows up and, you know, it went from, you know, uh, barbershop quartets and, and jazz to Elvis taking over everything. And then the Beatles after that. And then, you know, so it's like these movements can happen under the radar enough to get their attention because ultimately if they're losing money, they're going to want to jump on something that's making money. You know, it's like, uh, that's, that's pretty much it. And there's a, I remember reading in a book, one, one of the baseline rules of economics is what you incentivize you get. So if you incentivize, Like if these newer acts are killing the older ones, you know, like everybody's stopped paying attention to them and you're incentivizing paying attention to them, you're going to they're going to get that intention or attention of that. It's questions of how do you break through the noise? Because like, how how the heck do you do that? And most of it's following. Like I had a buddy of mine that was in a band years ago that was on the iTunes front page, like not Apple Music. This was well before (laughs) Apple Music, but iTunes, his band was on it for weeks. Um and he's like, we just, you know, we were doing our thing and touring and playing in bars. Now, th- that's coming back, thank God. But it's uh, still like over the last two years, it's like, how the hell are you going to do that? You weren't. You'd, you'd be lucky if you'd get an Internet show and that started to go get old very, very quick. You know, it's like sure. playing a sports game with no audience is It's definitely boring. It's still fun to watch, but the energy of a crowd it's all it's a mutual experience. You know, it's like you get that extra feedback with that. So you can develop a name through consistent touring and feedback from the crowd. You know, it's like you can go and see an incredible musician with a lot of entertainment value. And you're going to remember that if you, if you show yeah, up to it, so, if you actually go. Yeah. Yeah. But it's one of the interesting stats that he was also talking about was the resurgence of vinyl, which is crazy because I, 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 <laughs> You know, we talked and we argued about this before. I just don't get to draw personally, like at all, with the digital masters and everything else that you can get. But it's like this now. Well, it's, like, it's about it's, the uh, experience. It's about getting this big poster-looking exactly. thing. You know, like it's exactly. a it's a thing. Like 
Back if, you think, if, if, if you're going to buy a CD, which is only this big, or a cassette, you know, it's this big, yeah. or a record that's this big, like a lot of most people are going to choose the bigger. Th- you know what I mean? It's like the bigger is better sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's why we've got dreadnought guitars. What the hell, man? <laughs> so, anyways, but um, I mean, jumbo? no, I see. Yeah, well, jumbo was just a thing of like we can do bigger. <laughs> dreadnought? No, and I'm going to add five extra strings on top of that. Mm-hmm. That'll be harp. Yeah, it's, it's, and, and then the, the Thorobo looks at them all and laughs. <laughs> you haven't seen big yet. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a weird tangent. But um, anyway, so yeah, so you got these LP sales uh, with that. And then you have uh, what else? Like the 80s catalogs, and they're going to want to make their money back. And then you have this whole thing of have you heard of uh, God, what is it called? There was a name for it. Plunder pop. No, this is something one of my students brought, turned me on to uh, last semester, and I was like, "Like stealing pop?" And he's like, "Yeah, that's, that that's it. Like literally, these guys take sound bites from old films that are out of copyright, yeah. and create music from it." So they're, they're not playing anything. It's literally they're just pieces together from everything else. Huh. And it was like, okay, like kudos to doing like a mixed media thing, but play a damn instrument. <laughs> and granted, like after getting acquainted and becoming friends with guys that do a lot of electronic uh, production work, it's like I get the musicality that goes into it now. I'm not, not necessarily such a, a classical elitist of being like... You're just pushing a button. It's not that simple. And that sure. kind of knocked me off the high horse of any art form that gets to a degree of following where it's like big. There's something to it that's going on in terms of the work that definitely qualifies it as something artistic. I may not hit play on it. I may skip it. I may never want to hear it again in my life. But it doesn't mean yeah. the guys aren't working hard and there's a lot of nuance to it that I'm just not into and whatever that's fine they can have their thing i can have my thing and we're all mostly get along you know um but in that space of deep fake stuff and I'm, I'm looking at the article right now and that's why i said the plunder pop is that you also have like the hologram for uh hologram like concerts or whatever yeah performers that's the word i'm looking for too much bourbon so <laughs> the hologram performers you know like whitney houston and michael jackson and getting like this this huge nostalgia factor of potentially quote-unquote seeing them perform and that's like ah uh, that i have a rough time with you know like don't get me wrong is that different than a, a classical orchestra that, that i was literally going there like i will pay money to go see bach in concert any day of the week but the um there's a difference between covering it and having it be electronically produced right. with a video accompaniment. You know, you're at least in that regard, if you're going to an orchestra, they're, they they're, they should be playing the instruments. You know, nobody's <laughs> sitting there with it. Like, and, but that's a, the other thing, too, is like the singer is maybe performing to a live band, but the singer's recorded. So it's like the opposite of a backing track. <laughs> you know, you have like the, the, the main melody being the thing that's recorded and everybody else is just backing that up, which... It's an interesting thing, and it'd be curious to see where they take this holographic level of technology with it, you know, a holodeck type of thing, and whether that's quote-unquote legit. And I think the answer is yes. 
Yeah, it's like, gonna grow. Uh, I don't want to get yeah, more. It, it's gonna get better. It's gonna get more legit, and it's always one generation dying off. That over the next one, it's kind of normalized. What was that? Did you see uh, the newer Blade Runner? Was that what that was? Twenty forty nine. Yeah, that one. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, uh, there's a there's a scene where they're like in a Vegas kind of place. Maybe it was Vegas. Um, and they're in this building. And like they turn on the, it's like an old decrepit building, but they turn it on. And it's like Vegas, and there's like Frank Sinatra singing, and like you know, like his holograph or holographic things, yeah, yeah. you know. And uh, yeah, I mean it, that doesn't seem far fetched, really. No, I, I don't think it seems far fetched at all, which is both good and bad. You know, it's it's kind of cool because the nostalgia, nostalgia is just cool. I'm sorry, it's it's going to be around there for everybody's going to get to a certain point in their lives who are like, hey, I remember playing that on my tape deck, you know, or whatever, right. you know, the CD, or I remember when Apple Music was. I so mean, it, I mean, I let's that. face it: if there was a video, a holographic video of Bach playing organ oh yeah no kidding you'd be like i'm there every weekend <laughs> that's one of the things that stuck out to me with the 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 dune series and i know that se- this seems like a crazy jump but when uh in god emperor of dune it was talking about genetic memory and how like leto had this ability to go through his genetic memory link and trace his family line or whatever all the way back to like you know i don't want to say adam because he didn't say adam but like his ge- first genetic a- ancestor yeah um, and he was like, oh, yeah, it's like some of his guys w- had seen Bach perform. And he's like going back and reminiscing about watching Bach perform through his genetic memory. I'm like, that would be cool. <laughs> How do I do that <laughs> exactly? Is that possible? How much Can- meditation? Yeah. Do mush- are there mushrooms involved with yeah. this? <laughs> it's, uh, probably. But uh, you need the Walter guy from uh, Fringe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, There's oh, more- we could do that. I think I'm pretty sure it's possible. Yep, there's more than one of everything. So, um, but yeah, that would have been like that. That definitely would have paid money to, to, to lots of money, perhaps a kidney or, or both. You know, dialysis works to, to see that. Um, that would have been really cool. So, anyways, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that uh, that, that could, somebody could feel the same way about Michael Jackson or um, Prince or whatever. Yeah, right. exactly. You know, and the the article kind of talks a little bit about that with the, the deep fake stuff. And then it goes into other stuff about like copyright issues and the, the you know, what's the way to put it? The lawfare type of suing back and forth between musicians. Like the whole thing with Katy Perry and the baseline. And I'm like, like, I, 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 I watched that whole trial. I didn't watch the whole trial. I read the articles about it. Yeah. I looked at the music and like the guy that they brought up as a star witness should lose his professor position. Like, Oh, sure. hands down. he needs to be flogged and kicked out of academia. <laughs> Cause it's like, dude, that gesture, that descending baseline has been around since the fricking Baroque, like, yeah. or probably before that. Yeah, it's sure. nothing new. It's just a typical movement of a five to a one that happens in all type of credential type of music or in that type of cadence so it's going to be duh of course it's going to be there you know and it's an eighth note really pick a less common one (laughs) it's like it's just there and to see the results of that trial was just stunning you know it's it's easy to yeah to lead the witness right because if you're like i'm a a musical expert and if you look at this i mean look listen listen to this it sounds kind of similar to this don't you think (laughs) you know it's like Yeah, I guess it kind of does. <laughs> it's like, really? So you took a left turn, and I took a left turn. So I'm suing you for taking that left turn. Yeah. And then the yeah. other guy's like, 
everybody takes left turns. It, it happens that common, you know, and that's the, kind of the same thing that happened with that uh, particular lawsuit. In well, I, just, I, I always wonder, like, how did Katy Perry's lawyers not like they must have just not been worried about it, I guess, but they were not prepared to defend themselves because they oh, should that, have been, that, easily that, been able to have been like. We thought you might say that. Yeah. <laughs> like, here's that baseline here. But here's here. 18,000 examples of it. Exactly. So, I mean, that was like, that was just jaw dropping to me. I'm like, literally just pull up any pop song in the last 30 years and you're going to find that type of motion there. Yeah. It's nothing new, you know, it at all. And that guy, I mean, I forget what his name is, which is probably a good thing because I'd be pounding him on the internet. Like, what is your serious problem, dude? You know, did you enjoy the paycheck that you got from those lawyers? That's I'm right. pretty sure you did. And he's like, yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> and I'm like, well, can't regret you that fact. Was it like a random awesome. online institution? No, he's like some yeah. professor of uh, music history. Some, no, I mean, at like some random like online, you know, University of Phoenix kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I have a degree. You got that out of a out of a, a, a okay. claw machine. You know, it happened to work. You got the lucky one. Seventeen dollars and twenty five cents. I have the plaque yep. to show you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, 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 he justified his expensive degree somehow. If it was an expensive degree, either way, it, it's royally got under my skin. But he's like, the article points to that as being that's kind of put a lot of artists on notice. You're like, oh shit, am I copying something? You know, am I going to get sued for putting out this track? You know, because... I, well, I right now on. you have a... Everyone's using the same chord progression, which pretty much yep. have to, to even, like, have a hit. Yep. Um, and and so, so now it's like, it's so easy. Like, they all sound the same because they are effective the same because they're all... They're like... There's a stylistic expectation and using the same chord progressions. And it's like, you're, they're not giving themselves much variety to choose. No, from. even though there's, there, there's practically, you know, so much variety you could do, but it's the gatekeeper analogy with that. You got guys that are sitting at the top that want to hit because they're, they want the money, you yeah. know, and they're looking at it from a business perspective and they're like this, you know, what is it? Uh, a, a one four six five one. That's the that's the big one, right now, and it's uh. It, they're like, well, this this gets it. So do this. Yeah. Like, do a song like this. Well, and they're, so they're saying it's a risk thing. So they're like, well, you could put out this other song. Sure, it sounds interesting, but history has shown us over the last ten years that those songs only become hits one out of a thousand. Mm-hmm. But like the one four sixty five whatever um you're gonna at least break the top 40 and we'll yeah make like money. the you know 30 percent of those become hits or whatever you know so it's like a numbers game yeah absolutely it's another factor with it and it's a what's the way to put it multi-factorial analysis it's not just like one thing there's many th- certain things that are feeding this uh and the spectacle culture happens to be part of it hi mark <laughs> so uh but the uh join us again uh, yeah. yeah, join us again soon. Um, and we can maybe he has something to say about this as well. But the um, other that aspect of it, where it's like, you know, it it's that tends to be gone against by one queen, like Bohemian Rhapsody, being the big thing that blew that to an extent out of the water. That whole argument just because <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, here's a song that's six minutes long, that's operatic and goes everywhere. In terms of keys and tempos and time changes. Yeah, but I don't think like, it was a very big hit when it came out. 
Are you well, sure? I, I think I'm it was pretty sure when, it when like when uh, Wayne's World really brought Wayne's it World back. Brought it back, but I think all right. It's an interesting. Uh, yeah, Let I'm not totally it. sure, but I think I recall hearing that. I don't want to say it flopped, but it wasn't as big of a hit as they expected, or something. What is that uh, top chart? Officialcharts.com. Let's take a look here. <laughs> we can probably blah. look up like Bohemian Rhapsody, the song, which I'm sure has a Wikipedia thing, and it probably tell you it went gold or whatever. Top. Whatever. It reached number nine in 1976. Huh. So it did pretty good for that type of song in 1976, and then in 1992 with Wayne's World, it hit number two. <laughs> so it went. It came back again. Yeah. So and a, and, a, and a probably a bigger era of music. I mean, in terms of like the '90s were the most profitable era. Yeah, of music you were gonna. Ever. Yeah, <laughs> it sold 2.62 million copies and was the third biggest selling signal of all time. There you it go. Been streamed. <laughs> but, Here's a number for you. Wait, wait, wait. And it's been streamed over 190 billion times. Yeah. So, so about twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They got thirty five cents sitting in an account for them. You know, Freddie Mercury's bank account is like, oh, sorry, we don't can't take any more deposits. Yeah, that right. was dark. Sorry, but not sorry. He's gone. But the uh, <laughs> on a side what note, was one, that? I don't know. That was me. That was the that's the bourbon talking now. I, I shouldn't have had two fingers, but it was delicious. So <laughs> it um Knob Creek. Yeah, Knob Creek. Amen. So the uh, <laughs> that that 190 billion plays, man. Holy that's cow! Ju- that's just Spotify, right? Was that just Spotify or was that streaming? It didn't say. It was streams. Oh, okay, okay. So I, I don't think it was just Spotify. Um, but yeah, that's remarkable, man. And so that had two. The original in the '76 got to number nine. With that type of thing, and then Wayne's World, the movie contract thing, clearly brought it and put it back on the map. Now, hey, so I sent you because I happened to see this recently too, and it was that twelve tone music um, YouTube channel, and it was like Rick Beato was wrong, old music isn't better thing. Did you watch that? I didn't watch that video yet. Okay, so, yeah, I, it's a, no, so you're wrong. This is a really interesting uh, thing that he brings up. If you haven't seen that channel, it's the channel where the guy like writes on a notepad the whole time when he's like yeah, drawing pictures sketches. while he's talking. Yeah. They're usually really well done. And he's kind of, it's kind of like a Rick Beato kind of thing in the sense that it's like a musicologist sort of person, whatever. Anyway, um, he was complaining because Rick had basically said, like, look, like Bohemian Rhapsody, for instance, like how, how, like how much complexity is in that song or whatever. And if you compare that to Justin Bieber, like – like there's no comparison, yeah. you know, or whatever. And, and the 12 ten person was like, well, that that's like, you can't cherry pick it. That, that's the, the problem with that. And I can't remember what the name of it was, but there's a bias we get. But so basically though, like we have the luxury now of going back and being like, well, what songs were great from the seventies, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not, it wasn't probably the songs that were popular. And so one of the things he points out is like, and so in 1991, right, all this stuff happened, right? It's a big musical year. 
you know, like Smells Like Teen Spirit comes yeah, out. Nirvana, Pearl the, Jam. the Black Album comes out. The Pearl oh, Jam okay. stuff, like uh, Bloodsucker Sex Magic comes out. Like, there's all these, like, iconic albums that we think are great now. Like, they're, they stack up to the best albums of all time. It's a really great year. He's like, what do you think the number one song was in 1991? <laughs> and you're like, well, was it like Smells Like Teen Spirit or like what? You know, like you're thinking like that, right? And he's like, it was Brian Adams, that song from the Robin Hood movie or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And he's the, like, uh, he's like, uh, yeah, look into everything your I eyes. Do. Yeah, everything like, I do, yeah. I do for you or whatever. Like, that's the biggest song. That was like what you... God, like, I remember hearing that everywhere. Holy crap. Yeah, and it's like, but nobody knows that song now. Like, somebody who was born in 1991 does not know that song. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they probably know Smells Like Teen Spirit and, you know, Jeremy and all these kind of, like, or uh, Under the Bridge and whatever, you know, like, whatever. There's all these great, or Enter Sandman. So many, like, ep- you know, like, songs we all remember now, and they're still iconic so basically, it's like, well, that's what we're doing now. If you say, well, Justin Bieber, we don't know what the biggest song from 2022 or 2021 is going to be. We're not, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't, in about 30 years, we might be able to be like, man, remember that song in 20, you know, 2022 was so good. We don't have any way of reflecting on that now. We, we can't, because as big as, as we think that like Nirvana and those things were, in a sense, they really weren't the biggest things out at the time. Um, Nirvana was pretty damn popular. I mean, certainly, but they weren't, they weren't like top 10, like biggest songs of the year popular. So like there was other, there's like Whitney Houston songs and whatever, you know what I mean? Bad, bad company, uh, (laughs) in sync, maybe in sync where they were live. But even like, um, uh, that, uh, cherry pie, I think that came out in like 90 or 91. Like like, nine one. Wow. I think that, so that was all happening. There was like a weird transition. So there's all these like, songs that would have been like huge at the time like on pop ish radio and it wasn't enter sandman and you know smells like teen spirit and stuff like that we remember them as the biggest things and they they really are in in hindsight and still selling ridiculous amounts of records right mm-hmm. but say the same deal like throughout history so if you would go back to when bohemian rhapsody came out not likely it was a top, you know, whatever the number one song was, you'd probably be like, you probably won't even remember it. You probably don't even know what it is. You know. All right, now I got to find out. Let's see. It was I mean, 1976. Interesting. Yep. Uh, song, yeah, and what yeah. month was the nine, you know, like. Holy cow. <laughs> really? Wow. Okay, so I haven't heard of. Three of the four top songs. The first one is Silly Love Songs by Wings. So, like, Paul McCartney Wings? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, okay. It doesn't say. It, it, uh, and then Don't Go Breaking My Heart by Elton John. Okay. I know uh, Disco Lady by Johnny Taylor. <laughs> and then Oh, What a Night. That I've heard. But that's probably because of all the weddings. Uh Let's see. Yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, so it's interesting, right? So, like, songs that were huge maybe weren't the best songs. <laughs> you know, the memory. The Olympian Rhapsody was 18 at the end of the year. Yeah. 18th. The other ones above it were uh, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Heard that one? I don't uh, think I know that. Yeah. By Paul Simon. Take a plane, Wayne. 
Can't think of it. Oh, but I probably maybe know it if I heard it. Yeah, uh, a fifth of Beethoven. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, Sarah Smile by Hall and Oates. Uh, Afternoon Delight. That's a, probably from uh, Anchorman is where I know that more than anything. Uh, I write the songs by Silver Connection, Love Hangover, Get Closer, More, 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 Bohemian Rhapsody, Misty Blue, Blue River. I really like to see you tonight. 1972. That's, that's wow. That's, yeah. So none of those songs are probably as iconic as Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. I think the only one that I could be close was be don't Boat breaking my heart. And that's clearly subjective because that, I just remember that. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, even like certainly afternoon delight or something sticks around. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, part of that's the cultural influx in a new movie, which is part of the reason Bohemian, we you and I would have never heard Bohemian Rhapsody or not really in the same context without Wayne's world. Yeah. Let's see. That was 1992. We like that became like a thing for us. It's part of our, Oh, it, uh, wow. It wasn't the, um, yes. Yeah, so what are the number one songs in 92? So imagine now this is a year. Here we go. End of the road by boys to men. All right. Baby Got Back. That we know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jump by Criss Cross. Save the Best for Last by Vanessa Williams. Don't even remember Baby, that. Baby 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 by TLC. Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. But that's also a, a cover of his original one back in the, like, 68, 69 when the original Layla. Yeah, that was played a lot, though, for sure. Or, well, wait, I'm wrong. That's not, not a cover. That was an original one uh, that he wrote. That song is, like... He wrote that after. He wrote that after. Yeah. He wrote that after his four-year-old son died. That's yeah. like, damn, man. And to, to, as a parent, you're like, that song has a lot more weight to it now. So, but well, there's no, there's nobody under the age of thirty that knows that song. No, uh, my loving, you're never gonna get it by In Vogue. Mm-hmm. Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers. That one everybody knows. All yeah. for Love by Color Me Bad. <laughs> um. Just another day. Holy shit! This is taking me back to VH1. Back, to back. <laughs> you know. Uh, I love your smile by Shanice. To be with you, Mr. Big. I remember learning to play that song on guitar. Sure. Um, I'm I'm too sexy by Right Side Fred. <laughs> Black or white. That stuck around. Friend. Just probably. Yeah, a- just because of the silliness of the song. Yeah. Um, uh, Achy breaky heart. Then by Billy Ray Cyrus. That's fifteen. And then Mariah, November Rain by uh, Guns N' Roses, Life is a Highway. Was that the first rock song? November Rain? Yeah. No. I don't I know don't if think... I – I guess I mean you November had like Rain a... was on like Use Your Illusion 2. No, no, like, no. no. That are... was the first rock song on the list is what I'm saying. Oh. um, Like I don't know the Tears in Heaven and uh, – more... No, I wouldn't call that rock. And the same with uh, More Than Words or whatever. To Be With You? Yeah, to that be with you. Sorry, yeah. more of an acoustic track. Same deal. <laughs> like black business. or white? Black or white by Michael Jackson is pretty rocky. Yeah, I guess I did have Van Halen in it, didn't it? No, it's Slash. Nope, he actually just performed it with him. The actual guy that did it was their producer. Came up with that opening lick. That he came up with that lick, and then. Tim Pierce, the YouTube guy, yeah. did that middle section where he's like, yeah, oh, Dr. Right. Feelgood was really cool at that time, so he wanted something like Dr. Feelgood, so he came up with that particular part. 
you know, it was two guitar players. And Slash I wouldn't call that a rock song, though. I mean, it's still not really. It's, it's a pop. Some rock it's a pop song with guitars in it, for sure. But <laughs> but I mean, like the first rock band, like rock song, rock in there was the Guns N' Roses one, and even that's like a ballad, really. Now, what about Under the Ridge Downtown? Okay, oh yeah, I'll give you that. That's true. I think that's at number nine in the November Rain is seventeen. So. But it's not Nirvana. It's not Metallica. It's not Alice in Chains or Soundgarden. Or even or, uh, Rage Against the Machine. It's none of that stuff, right? It's like Metallica is not on there. Yeah, because they probably didn't consider the Black Album as part of that well, year. What was it? Oh, it's uh, Nirvana. They probably didn't have one out either. No, uh, Smells Like Dean Stewart is on as number thirty-two. Oh, so it stayed on the list. Yeah, and then what was the other band? Was like Rage Pearl Jam like Pearl Jam on there? Rage might have not been out by then. I'm not sure. Yeah, Rage, no Rage, no Pearl Jam. Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. <laughs> trying to think of the most like iconic. Soundgarden. No Alice in Chains. Yes, I mean, you're talking about these are the biggest bands of that era. It's particularly those first, like, five years of the 90s or whatever, starting in 91. Yeah. Def Leppard is on there. Yeah, like Def (laughs) Leppard. And Michael Bolton. Oh, God. (laughs) Like Vanessa Williams and stuff, right? Vanessa Williams. Some of those things are not, uh, they don't have much staying power in a lot of ways. U2's on there. Uh, yeah. Toad the Wet Sprocket. Uh, Luther Vandross. Lee. Okay, since we're already doing this, what about 91? So the, the 91 right. was the iconic year of some of the you know, biggest albums that have ever been released. All right, let's see here. We got, yeah, it's Brian Adams, number one. <laughs> Uh, number two is I Want to Sex You Up by Color and Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna Make You Sweat, Everybody Dance Now by CNC Music Factory. Oh, yeah. oh God. This, ugh. Rush Rush by Paula Abdul. Or Abdul. Uh, One More Try by Timmy T. Unbelievable by EMF. Uh, See, none of these are like the iconic More Than yet. Words. More Than Words is number seven. I Like The Way. By High Five? I don't even remember that. Probably. So again, this is when grunge started. This is when Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, the Black Album. I'm trying to see where any of those guys come in. Oh, God. That just makes you kind of cry. Uh, Holy cow. Yeah. Scorpions is the first rock band on there. That, that I would consider rock. Yeah, no, that's it. I mean, you got our, uh, Losing My Religion, but that's, like, not rock. Winds of Change, number 39. <laughs> yeah, already at 39. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we don't... So this is where that bias comes from. So if, if like, that's what the 12-tone people were, or person was saying, was, like, Rick Beato would be like, man, remember 91? It was the greatest, like listen to these Nirvana songs and this Soundgarden song and this, but it's like, well, those weren't the biggest songs of the the day. They just weren't. Yeah, they're not even on here, man. Yeah. Like Nirvana doesn't even show up. No Red Hot Chili Peppers. No, 
Alice in Chains, none of the rock bands show up at all. Yeah. Or any of the albums that we would consider. Like the greatest did, albums of all time, yeah. So the did, ones we would pick. When did Black come out? The Black album came in 91, I think. Sure. Pretty sure. Now now we have the internet. What does it say? August 12th, yeah, 91. Wow. There you go. Yeah. So, I mean, how big does that album seem? And they they weren't even on number two. Like in 19... Did we, did, didn't we we do 92? Yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't even show up on that either. Wow. That's so we, we have a... We have, I, I can't remember what the... It was a certain bias, but it's like a... Um, I know, it's... it's uh, reflective bias. He says it like right at the beginning of the... Yeah, it's the... I get... It's um, nostalgia bias. Yeah, basically. Something like, something like that, yeah. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty interesting. So, anyway, that's why it's really like not genuine. And this is what they were saying to say, like, well, the new music isn't as good. It's like, well, we don't even know. <laughs> like, there's probably some songs that came out this year that like will rise to the top. That will be like, like man, spiritual tw- agenda. 2022 was the greatest year ever of music <laughs> because you know Saint Vincent put out a thing, and you're like, man, that Saint Vincent song was r- killing. I mean, it didn't even pop on the charts. And that's the other thing. It's like, how do they even do charting now? Because, like, the radio is – I don't even know how radio is still alive, personally. Yeah, yeah and I wonder if they do – if it's radio that is still that, – That the was charts. the Billboard charts. Uh, I think it still is, but that's also a sign of a dying industry. Yeah, it is. A, well, they probably get the streaming numbers, too. So then, But it's like, how do you compare the numbers? I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't – like, in one sense, I would almost say that radio is – not relevant to picking the 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 actual numbers because radio is it just happens to be playing streaming you go i want to listen to the song generally yeah. speaking you know unless you go to like the top 100 and hit play type of thing so, which is something that the auto did, does did we talk about the do you ever see that black keys thing um there was an interview with them they had an album come out i think maybe was it was last year or the year before and basically they were talking about how um, it's all like screwed up, like the way that they do the numbers. So Black Keys are big enough where the, they, if they put an album out, it could be the number one album, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that they do that, the way that the record companies are doing that is they, um, they're like, well, why don't you do this? So we want you to, when you sell a, when you sell a, a ticket to a concert, you give them yeah, an give album. Yeah, give away an album. Yep. Right. And they were like, well, why would we do that? And like, will we get more money for it? No, no, no. It'll cost you money. Wait, so <laughs> we <Wait>. should. Give... <laughs> we're going to give the albums away. Well, like, yeah, but then you'll have the number one album because you're gonna, it's going to be all this like pre-sale tickets thing. You They, they can sell at Madison Square Garden. So it's like yeah, you're going to have like a million albums sold in the first day because all those pre purchases of the tickets or whatever and they're kind of like but <laughs> like and they're like yeah well how much is does that are we gonna make money from that no 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 it'll cost you three dollars or whatever per album that you put out you know it's like wait so <laughs> so we're gonna lose <laughs> three million dollars or whatever like so we can have the number one album but anyway they they also mentioned um something they're like about the streaming numbers, they're like, why don't you don't you want to get your streaming numbers up? And they're like, um, yeah. He's like, you know, when I was a kid, <laughs> this is what the guy said. He's like, when I was a kid, I had that Bart Simpson uh, 
album that came out. He's like, I listened <laughs> to that thing eight billion times. Like I just kept listening to it over and over. He's like, these streaming numbers, like when people are listening to like Taylor Swift or whatever, it's like kids just listen to the same song like eighteen thousand times in a row. Oh, That's God. not because it's like the number one song or whatever. Like, is that a way, is that a good evaluation of what the, like, biggest song is? Because that's what kids do. Like, they just, they pick a song and they just listen to it 8 billion times. In that regard, uh, The Very Hungry Caterpillar is my favorite book. (laughs) (laughs) You know, reading it to my kids a billion times. So they're like, you know, I think our fans love our, you know, like, they love our stuff, but they probably also like listening to other groups, too. You know, like, so we're not going to try to be, like, the... So, you know, like the number one streaming, like this, it's sort of like, we can't even be that. Like that's, we're not appealing one to like three-year-olds or whatever they're going to like <laughs> put it like this. Like yeah. that's not our audience, you know? And anyway, it was just really fascinating from their perspective. They're just kind of like, it's all so gamed to be like the number one hit or whatever. And yeah, well, and that's like, that's, I, it's, it's, it's disingenuous. Yeah. It, yes, absolutely. You know, and, but the, the bigger question is how do you judge that? in a situation like we're in now is it album sales you're like because who buys an album now i can't remember the well but if you buy a ticket to a concert you get an album (laughs) exactly but who's buying tickets to concerts now you know it's like it's kind of sketchy to an extent um though i i think i'm feeling more comfortable about maybe going to a concert sometime soon but uh regardless the the metric needs to be unified and almost in one sense you know and i'm not a huge football fan but like it's what everything that's just happened with the o- overtime situations it's like well, wait a minute a coin flip is basically deciding who's going to win you know it, it's, when it, it's the first person that scores what the hell is that yeah right you know this isn't a death match where if you get the killing blow you just walk away you know right. or whatever it's like it, it, this is a contest so it should expand especially when you get higher up and it gets more important so in one sense i think like oh yeah the the metrics need to be completely redone to a point where the the field is level, you know, uh, with that. Because it's like if it's just like streaming, it's like that one band I can't remember their name that wanted to fund a new album, so they're told a fan base, uh, "We have this album. It's literally nothing. Like it's right. just silence. Go on Spotify and play it all night while you sleep on repeat." And they made like fifty thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah. So they took it off. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So they took it off, and it's like, well, they. I'm sorry, you made the system that way, and they played by your rules. You know, it's, sure. it's like there you go. I'm, whatever thing, whatever system gets into place, it's inevitable that somebody's going to game it in some way. There's too many people with too much potential time, just right. seeing if they can do it, and it, it's going to be. Cra- it's like, why does this get cracked? Because it could be done, and there's some guy sitting there in the basement, like, I wonder if I could do that, and then it happens. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, well, like, so okay, if the average song is three minutes, that means you can play it 20 times an hour, and at 24 hours, that's whatever <laughs> 480, 480 times. times. So, like, if you have enough accounts that just you do gotta- that for a song, right, you could get tens of thousands of plays in a day, or you know what I mean, every day. Yep. Um, for people just repeating a song or whatever. Um, and I'm sure that happens. Um, we talked about that with the spectacle culture stuff too, right? It's like, um, you know, sometimes you think, well, would I pay for like views and would I pay for likes on a YouTube video? But it's like, is McDonald's doing that? Yeah. Is Coke doing Mm -hmm. that? Is Katy Perry doing that? Yeah, probably. Like they're, and and in one sense it's like, because it has, they have to, like they have to. Yeah. 
They have to, and it keeps the brand up, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. You know, why is this popular? Because it's popular. Right. Well, why, why is it popular? Because it just, it, it's popular. It's, 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 why are you giving the plants Brando? Because it's what plants need. Electrolytes. <laughs> yeah. well, what about water? <laughs> you know, but, um, and, and that's, that's part of the, the underlying issue with that all is that eventually, like, you know, Mark was saying, it's like the spectacle culture feeds itself and there's sure. no way to avoid it. Um, and I, I'm curious to see how far this goes back because I, I don't th- necessarily think it's a new thing to occur. I just think it's what's that easier spectacle culture. Like, oh, I think it always yeah. probably existed, right? Yeah, I mean, it, like there's there was a reason why Rome spent so much to build the Colosseums to the extent that they did, because people just like to watch the spectacle. That's just part of it, right? Um, and that's at least two thousand years old. You know, how much further sure. back does that go uh, in the human condition? You know, there, there's uh, music has obviously been a part of cultural substance from as far back as we can remember. So does that mean that it's immediately spectacle? Does the spectacle happen out of people just happen to be entertained and it grows from there? And I think the answer to all those questions is yes, but it's not like, (laughs) it's it's not a mutual exclusivity in in that regard. You know, it, uh, it tends to be like the whole idea. Well, I don't know. It, it, It tends to be the whole idea of mythos and how a certain people can build onto a particular myth just from, constant repetition and exposure to it, it becomes its own thing. You know, it's like, it's the, the question of like, is Santa Claus real? And it's like, does a guy fly around? If you look at it as the question as, uh, does a guy fly around to giving presents to kids every night on Christmas? The, if you have kids, please turn them away at this moment. The answer is no. <laughs> you know, I had to get the spoiler out there. But the idea of like, you know, if somebody goes around wearing a Santa Claus costume and murdering people, people would say that's not Santa. Because there is an idea of what Santa should be. Yeah. The reality of it is different. So the question that I'm bringing it up to mainly push on the whole idea of that's dark. But it, <laughs> maybe it's bourbon. Maybe Santa I'm bitter at Santa Claus. The Santa Claus. Ching! You know, it's uh, the uh, but going off of that, it's like it's maybe the aspect of the, the music sales and the spectacle culture or something that's alive because the collective mythos has pushed it to a, a point of actually giving it that type of life. And, and uh, I'm clearly yeah. uh, talking later in the, the bourbon pour on that one, but the uh, <laughs> it, that's there. So how does that actually affect the record company in the sense of allowing new music to, to come out? Like the stuff that comes out and breaks some old, is that a new part of the spectacle? Co- well, I mean, no, it can't be a new part of the spectacle culture. It's just another aspect of it. So uh, gonna- uh, one of the things that 12 to an article brought up is, so Rick was like, you know, record companies aren't promoting new groups and blah, 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 blah. And they're not finding new talent. But the the 12-ton thing, they also mentioned, well, you know, like, a lot of the, the bigger bands that have come out have been not even using um, record labels anymore. Like that little Nas X. They do have a record label now, but that Old Tone Road or whatever that song Old is. Old Tone Road, yeah. Yeah, like that was out on Bandcamp first, just as a self-release. But it became a thing. And then did it become got, a thing after Billy Ray did that whole like I don't know, but joint thing or was it? I'm not sure, I'm, but and then even like he mentioned like Saint Vincent, but he mentioned gonna, these are people like that. There's a lot of like groups that never use the traditional like record company that have become like 
pretty big artist. But then you get the counterpoint of uh, a little, and I'm going to push a little bit back on that. Is like you got Post Malone that allegedly started from Bandcamp, but that was that's that's the reverse. That was an astroturf thing, at least if I'm remembering the article right. Uh, versus a Bandcamp thing, it's like he was already signed and ready to go, but they wanted to make it seem like it was a grassroots thing, so they built the band. So I don't, I don't think that, it. and the, the ones that he gave examples for, or even like um, the Billie Eilish stuff, she was putting out stuff before she had her deal okay but but it was big enough like she was getting enough movement that they were like yeah we'll probably sign you but you need like five more songs kind of thing and they were actually like there's actually like a video my kids liked her in particular so we watched son you are oh yeah or something like yeah and like her and her brother are like writing these songs and like they still don't really have a record deal yet but um, they obviously have some fan base, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, like, and then and then the twelve ton person was like, by doing that, actually, all of those artists, maybe not Little Nas X or whatever, but like Billie Eilish and like Saint Vincent or two that I remember anyway. Um, like they can do anything they want. Like as artists, they're not. The expectation from their fans is that they're going to do something that's a little bit off kilter. Mm-hmm. Like they're not expecting them to just follow the mold because neither of those groups do. Like they they don't just fit in some like mold or whatever. Like they're kind of messed up and weird and you know like yeah yeah you know and it's cool. Like actually, I mean, if you haven't listened to Saint Vincent, she's awesome. She's totally awesome. Um. Anyway, it, it's like they were just saying that that still exists. So there's still an avenue to mm-hmm. do that. Um, now I, there's a lot of hand waving in there, like how that actually happened and what, how'd they get to that, be that big or whatever happened, you know, that something helped them grow that it didn't just happen. But, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, it's interesting. Yeah. It's kind that- of funny. I think it was like, um, that bad guy song came out or whatever. And like Billy's still living like with her parents and like in that video, you know, <laughs> and like they didn't even, they didn't have that much money. Like they really like, they basically were kind of poor, mm. but like the record producer, somebody like, or not the record. I don't know. Like she did a video and then they, for her birthday, for like her 17th birthday or something, they bought her this um, charger, but it was just like the V6 version of it. Like it wasn't like the fully decked out like that, but that was like her dream car. Like that's what she really wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, we didn't tell her it was the six cylinder one, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. how they were. Um, she's only 17. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know what? I give them a Hemi. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyway, it's like, well, even as her songs are like huge, like she's not even, like they were already taking off. She didn't have a record deal, and like, she didn't have any money. But hmm. anyway, it's just kind of interesting. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that exactly. Oh, except that, well, that there is no, there is other point. avenues for like yeah, you know, exactly. Growing, that was right? your point. That, it's not it, you don't need the record. The record companies have failed us on the new music front, but that's not necessarily a a problem anymore. Yeah, I don't think that's like, and that's like the the good thing with that is, 
the one thing is, is like if you tell people where do they listen to music, Bandcamp is gonna basically a non-existent to most lay sure, listeners. Yeah. If you're a musician, I think that you're I think more it's a bad name. Never tell you that. <laughs> I think people are like American Pie and Bandcamp. And like yeah, exactly. Kind of things. They're just they're just yeah. like. I don't think that's a good thing. Like, are you telling me it, to go? What link is this? Like, I don't. Is this safe? Is this work safe? <laughs> well, it's like that. Wasn't there a commercial with the during the football games? Everybody on my fantasy football thread was blowing up about a, about a couch called the Love Sack, which is like. <laughs> Do you hear what you just said? <laughs> like, are, are you getting it? No? Okay. Okay. Right. <laughs> you, you do you on that one, but uh, yeah, sure. I, I think the person that came up with the name needs to be a little bit more worldly wise <laughs> on that one. Like, they so, could have had almost any other name except yeah. Bandcamp, and I think it would have actually fared out better. But regardless... Well, yeah, I mean, I like I like that service. I mean, I bought your album off of that. You know, yeah. it's like, and I bought. You know, like, I I have a love hate relationship with it because, particularly that Red Side Visible record, it's been streamed like a thousand times on there for people that never bought it. You know, <laughs> and I make zero sense on it. Yeah, that is. A... It's like, well, come on, that's I mean, like, that's that kind of stinks. You know. Yeah. Um, and it's only if people buy it. And then you could say, well, you, they have ways where you can be like, well, you can only listen to three tracks and then you have to buy it. But, like, that's not a very good way to, like, do it either because people are like, well, I'm not going to listen then. Yeah, it's and like, that's a, the good – the question with that is, like, how do you promote it at a point where the streams can also be a source of revenue and the album buying? Right. How do you get – it's, like, upselling to an extent. Right. Well, know, I saw it, I saw a thing – This is, it's funny. We could go on forever, I guess, but – I'll have to send you another article. Maybe we'll talk about it next time. The, and I, this uh, person, Rachel, something, she's a music person. She commented on all this stuff and the Spotify streaming and this, the whole thing with Neil Young and everything that we didn't even get into. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, she was like, basically, music has no value now, right? Like, you you can't make money selling it. No one buys it. You can't make money streaming it. Like, you really just can't. Um, mm. so not really anyway. So all the music is, is something to help people buy your other stuff. <laughs> so yeah, the, no, the music is used to per, yep. per, um, promote your merchandise mm -hmm. promote other, or, or something else. Maybe it's your teaching services or your videos or your, you know, I mean, that's the thing that's remarkable now is the teaching services. It's like, oh, yeah. you know, so, but you're using that, you're using that CD or album, or I guess you're using that streaming to promote that thing. That's what it's for. It's yeah. not, it has no value on its own. That's basically was her premise. Mm -hmm. I, I can see that. And that makes sense in the sense of branding. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you, you're, you're building, you're not just a musician. You're building a business base. And now you have to do everything. Right. You know, that, that's the counter thing with that, which is a royal pain in the butt because I, you know, as much as I, we're on social media with this podcast and everything else, I hate spending my time on it. It's like, <laughs> and I, I think the, I just commented on something at Facebook today, and that's the first time I think I've commented in months. No, it's, yeah, it's like, and all I commented was like, 
it, it was something about a book. I'm like, You're a just moron. The book. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It was more of a just finish the book type of thing. Because, uh, but and the the uh, no, the other thing they commented on was like a Sweetwater contest. I'm like, I always go for sweet gear, you know, type of thing. But that's it. Otherwise, it's like I'm not present, and I don't want to take the time to do it uh, necessarily because it's. Uh, I'd rather be practicing <laughs> so uh, or working on my own stuff and to have to do the self-promotion thing in that I don't mind self-promoting at concerts. It's like I've done that thing. I've, I've yeah. slept just like everybody else uh, in that regard. And you have to. That's just part of it. You go to a concert, you play your show, you hang around with your merch afterwards, hoping to sell something. You can get gas to get to the next show, sure. crash on somebody's couch or whatever. Uh, that's just part of the, the, the gig with that. But like within the social media age, it's – it's really annoying. It's like, I don't want to be pestered to get something. And it's like, I, I, I'll buy it eventually, you know, and especially, you know, it, to an extent, I always support my friends in the music community in the sense of other musicians that I know that come out with albums. Sure. And I generally do enjoy the music. It's not like, I, I, well, that album sucks and I'm just buying it to be nice type of thing. It's like, no, I like it. it, it, it if I'm going to spend money on something. I'm going to like it. I'm not just going to buy it just to buy it. Say, yeah. um, so it's, uh, it's interesting the amount of hats that you have to put on in that regard. And that's the other thing that I don't think this article at the Atlantic points out is in terms of making it today in one way versus making it, you know, 20 years ago, pre-internet or pre-Napster yeah. internet type of thing. It's like then if you were touring and really like Dave Matthews, Dave Matthews made it. Well, I mean, they're obviously obnoxiously talented, but excuse me, they, he performed like crazy and told everybody just to tape it. Like there's countless bootlegs of Dave yeah. Matthews shows before he made it big <sighs> and after he did afterwards. Cause he, but that's what got him the, the groundwork spinning yeah. with. Them. They also, I mean, they improvise, so it's always different. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, but that's kind of like that level of interaction is, I don't want to say it's not, it's missing today, but there, there's something that's just, you you don't get to grow that same way anymore. Certainly, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's certainly it's, trickier. I mean, in the live, just playing live is trickier. Yeah, well, it's regardless I mean, of the COVID I'm stuff. Talking, yeah, exactly. I'm talking pre-COVID yeah, stuff. Yeah. But like, and now after that, it's like, good lord, am I gonna have a show? Like, I'll <laughs> right, book it, right. but it, it might be streamed online. But God only knows, you know. Um, and that's uh, tremendously disappointing. But we'll make it through it, like every other pandemic that humanity has had. Uh, but the. Uh, the underlying aspect of how to make it, quote unquote. And the other question is like, what's make it? What do you mean by make it? Is it millions? Is it $100,000 a year? Like, where are you comfortable? It's like the lead singer at Tesseract was like, you know, I made more money as a beat cop <laughs> in London than I do as a touring artist, you know, yeah, sure. uh, a musician. Um, you know, but the question is, is like, are they, did they build their own home studio? Because that's an easy couple hundred thousand of profits sucked into that. But then you don't have to worry about renting somebody else's studio. And nowadays, everybody's got a studio. So we're all throwing money into gear that way. Um, there's uh, the idea of like, what are you ha like in terms of music? Like, I, I think a good year for me is 20K. Like that, that, if I'm going to be totally honest with everything and that, that, and it's like, I'm happy. And I luckily live in an area <clears throat> where I can, that can be sustainable, Yeah, you know? Um, and I, do I want to grow it? Hell yeah. I want to grow that, you know, but don't get me wrong. I, my goal isn't to be a, a billionaire making music. I just want to play, 
You know, I, I, I just want to perform. I want to do it constantly. That's it. I don't plan on ever retiring. I like it too much. And I, I think that when you see that, you see that in every other serious musician. It's like, when are you going to stop? When I'm dead? Yeah, right. You can't. Like, yeah. that, 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 you can't stop. It, it, there's something about it uh, that if you're not into it to that level, you just don't get it. And you really don't. It's like talking to somebody that doesn't have kids. It's like, if you don't have kids, you, you, you just don't know. And you can, they can go blah, blah, blah. But just like everybody else for four kids, like, ah, da, da, da. And then they show up and you're like, never mind. <laughs> I have no clue. None. That was totally like, zip. That is a line that you don't know till you cross over it. That's sure. it. And that's like, and it's like getting married or whatever. some of the big things where you think that it's not that different. And then you cross it and it's like, nope. This is totally different. Totally. Everything is shifted. So like with myself in terms of the music making thing, it's like, you know, I just want to continually do this. I want to be able to support my family uh, to an extent. I'd love to be able to take over my wife's income in terms of, of total things. And I'm happy doing that. Like I, I, I don't, I'm very, very low maintenance personally, like uh, it almost to a fault. Uh, it, it kind of annoys Julie <laughs> where my standards are. It's like, it's, it's working. Why fix it? She's like, because it's falling apart, but I'm like, but it's doing its main job. No? All right. So, you know, and she's, sure. got a, she's right, and she's got a point to that. Uh, if that was music equipment, I'd be like, no, no, we need to fix that right away. So, you know, it's clearly uh, my own bias lenses on that. Um, Certainly. So uh, I guess where I'm going with that is like, you know, my epitome of success would be making enough to completely cover my entire household expenses and my kids to be financially secure, not rich, but just secure. Right. Yeah. No, I'm happy with doing that. I don't, I don't I think that's probably that. true for most. Yeah. Yeah. I think Unfortunately, most- I think that, that <laughs> a lot of times to get to that level, you end up being in a fame. Well, I'm just, people that are a certain fame you're thinking like man they're on the cover of this magazine and they're doing this and that and you're thinking oh they're a cover of guitar magazine they must be doing well mm-hmm. and then you're like well they make five grand more than you a year you're like but they're touring all over the world and like you said like with the tesseract guy or whatever it's like yeah it, it add, like a stage show isn't cheap. You know, you might pay a hundred yeah. bucks a ticket, but it's costing them like thirty five thousand dollars. Right, they have a bus, a and how much does the bus cost to just go to the next city? Yep, yeah, and the crew and the sound setup, all the equipment. Oh, yeah. You know, if they have a stage show, dancers, food for the dancers. Da, 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 it's like, it, 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 yes, they make money. But their margins are as thin as everybody else's, which is right. whatever you see, it's like, well, they made gross, you know, $200 million. The profit is 1%. You know, so, you know it's like, if that's, that's, it, it, yes, that's a lot. Well, and of even money. like a band, like, let's say Tesseract, which I think probably has like six people in it. It's like they don't, whatever profit the band gets, they're probably not just splitting evenly. There's probably yeah. like, well, we should put 30% in a savings account for the band, you know, like, and then we'll split, then we'll split the rest. Right. So we're going to, it's a business. We got to keep money in the band or whatever. Maybe it's even yeah. 50%. Like, well, 50% like of the what whole we thing made. with Macedon. We were reading that article and talking yeah. about the guy from Macedon. It's like, he's got a lot of investment properties. Like, right. and he mows lawns, you know, and he's not touring. Why? Right. Cause I need to eat. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you even hear uh, Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. It's like, I don't, I can't afford my house if I don't go on tour, you mm-hmm. know, like, 
I'm not like even though you're thinking like, well, you have platinum albums and stuff. Like yep. you should be. It's like well, the only time I make I mean, money I'm, is if I tour. Yes, exactly. And part of that is like the old. I've just made a million dollars. Spend, you know, this festival, you know, which I don't begrudge anybody. It's like you finally made it in that. And, you know, it's like Shaquille O'Neal was saying, like, when he got his first, like, million dollar check, he was like, car, car, car for you, car for you, house, da 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 da. And then finally, one of his friends who was a financial advisor called him up. He's like, let's have a meeting and just slapped him across the face and said, this is not how you do this and going to be successful from here on out. You know, and he was lucky enough to have a guy like that. Other guys are just like blowing through it and whatever, like Johnny Depp, you know, $30,000 a month on wine, dude, you might want to tone down that habit (laughs) (laughs) just, just a little bit, you know, and so, or whatever, but they can do whatever the hell they want with their own things. I don't care, but I, I, maybe I'm unsympathetic when they run out to an extent. It's like, well, you know, but you know, you're at worth it. And like that money that you, you make afterwards, I, you just tend to sew it right back into what you love to do. That's it. That's it. That's the the bottom line. So the Atlantic article had a lot of great points with things and it all ends up being like money being the underlying thing (laughs) with that. And there, they certainly should have pushed, you know, the, the, my, my gripes about it would be like, well, why don't you point people in the directions where they can listen to new music exclusively? Like, get it. There's not a one. Let me, I got the article. Let's see. Band camp. Not one mention of band camp in the entire article. And you're going to bitch about new music, but you don't give any things of like, this is where it's at. Why don't you try searching X out, you know, in terms of a streaming service and so on. It's, I get these points and I'm not begrudging that, but it's more like, well, if you're going to complain about a problem, at least have some starting point so anybody can just take a step. I mean, I don't know if he was, well, I guess, I guess he kind of was complaining, but he like listed every single one of the big companies. He said that he, he, he clearly works in music industry to some extent where like as an A&R or promoter. Because uh, he says that he gets inundated by, with stuff for new promotion from guys, yeah. and he looks like it's usually thanks, trash, thanks, trash. You know, I'm briefly summarizing, but that's <laughs> you know, if you live in that industry, you're going to be getting thousands of those a day. You just don't have the time. You know, even if you work eight hours a day and you hit play the entire time, sure. it gets old. And you know, it's uh, I I understand it when musicians like get sick of getting everybody's demo because. Listen, they're human. We're all human. Eventually, we have our limits where it's like, I just can't keep doing that. I got my sure. own thing to worry about. You know, my time is so stretched. Investing in that time and to listen to that is something where I can go and do my own thing. And I want to get my own thing done. So that's going to fall by the wayside. Yeah, and, and I think it's, yeah, I mean, especially if they're getting 10 CDs or albums or whatever every day. Yeah. Like, even if they want to, it's like, eh, I'm never going to get to this. Mm hmm. And that's just whatever. Everybody ends up hitting the limit, and that's that's that. So, in terms of the, that article, I think it raises some great points. But I would also say it's missing one big warning of get ready to hear a crap ton of Bob Dylan covers as they try to recoup their losses from the rights and every other other band that's on there. It's like you're going to hear that all over the place. Sure. Probably put in the movies because they know somebody in the movie theater, movie industry for soundtrack stuff, you know, scratching each other's palms and so on. But that's just the, that's just the way things work. That's just it. You know, it's like sometimes it's who you know. 
Certainly. I mean, and, and I know Crackle. Sorry. <laughs> Mitch Hedberg joke. How did you get on the cover of uh, Snack Crackle or uh, Rice Krispies? Like, uh, I, I, you got to know somebody. And I know Crackle. That's <laughs> a so Snack Crackle cop. Mitch. So, so I, oh, I told you to listen to, and I don't know if you did, but that Vernon Reed interview. Oh, I didn't have a chance to listen to it yet. Yeah, Again, so it's kind of interesting. I only have so much time. Ver- Vernon <laughs> Reed uh, was on Greg Cox's uh, podcast. And it's kind of funny because. Greg can talk a lot, but then like Vernon kind of was like preaching. So like <laughs> Vernon talks like the whole time, but, uh, and I actually, I only listened to the first half of it, but they were talking about, um, Greg was kind of mentioning like, man, I saw red or I saw a uh, living color, um, recently. And like, you guys were just killing it. Like you've been doing this for like 35 years and you're just, you guys sound awesome. You know, that band's been around forever. He's like, you know, I don't want to say anything negative, but like, a lot of your contemporaries, like, I go to see them, and, like, it was cool, but, like, they're obviously playing to backing tracks, and they're doing all this stuff, and uh, so Vernon gets into, like, <laughs> he's like, well, so there's two different things. There's, like, there's, like, safe music, and there's, like, unsafe music, and some musicians are making safe music um, that doesn't challenge you or whatever, but it just makes you kind of feel good. It's like, if it's a love story, for instance, in the song, like, everything works out, like, isn't she perfect, and everything's perfect, like, or, you know, or it could just be, like, the music itself is, like, those bands that are doing that, effectively is what he's saying, is the ones that are doing the backing tracks, people go to those shows because, it's not because they want to be, like, challenged or whatever, like, they want to go there for nostalgia. They want to go in the safe place where it feels good. And that their expectation is it's just going to sound like the record and like whatever. Yep. Um, and he's like, well, some, but some groups aren't, that's not their, that's not their purpose. So it's not, it wasn't one was better than the other or whatever, but that some, some people were there doing the nostalgia thing or whatever. And I guess you can, in a lot of ways you could say that's most classical musicians too, yeah. for that matter. But then the, there's ones that are going to like challenge you. Like, where like you hear the song or something and it makes you like question whether you should like leave your marriage and like, <laughs> you know, like drop out of college and like, that's the intent. And like, so living color, for instance, like they have a very strong, like political agenda and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so for them, it doesn't make sense because to like play to backing tracks, for instance, because their thing is about like striking you. Like you should, you should go there and be like, should be shook. Like that's yeah. part part yeah. of the experience, um, but it made me start thinking about like um, my sister and I were talking. About, she um, she's a, by degree she has a, she's a sociologist too, so um, like Mark yeah. in that respect. But she said there's all kinds of like psychology on people who like watch the same shows and like even we were talking about the NFL and I'm like I'm just so tired of like I I don't like enjoy it because it feels like it's the same thing over and over. It's just like repeat to me. That's how it feels. It's kind of like somebody watching C- like 70 million shows of CSI or something. It's like, <laughs> but she yeah. said there's all kinds of psychology of people like, um, like why do people watch the same thing over and over again? Like, why do they watch the same movie a thousand times? Listen to the same song a thousand times. And it's kind of like that, like safety zone. It's like this is what feels good. It's not gonna rock my world. It's not gonna like change anything. I don't want to change anything. I don't want that kind of experience. Mm. I don't need to be like leaving my wife and like getting a new <laughs> job and like 
maybe flying to Dubai and like, you know, like, I, like yeah. that's not the kind of experience I need from this music. And I wonder a little bit, like, if that's part of the reason that the old music's also, you know, sticks around. Oh, clearly. No doubt. You know, so there's a little yeah. bit of like, well, this, I know what this is. I'm in a good spot. It's not going to mess anything up for me <laughs> because yeah. some music does have that effect, you know, or mm-hmm. any art, right? Like you, you can, you have to just, you can either just sort of like ignore it or like you have to encounter it and like deal with it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you, keep, yep. you can't, you can't ignore it in a sense. Like you kind of just be like, all right, we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to hash this out right now. <laughs> like I've heard this now. And it, it could be all instrumental too, or it could have words in it. Or like he gave the example of Machine Gun by Jimi Hendrix from the Band of Gypsies thing, where it's like nobody had heard anything like that. And like he was in the military and like even the words, like all these kind of things, like the audience was just like, what the, you know, or like Stravinsky's Rite of Spring first yep. time, like people are like rioting when they hear it because it mm-hmm. has this sort of effect on you. But it's like, He's like, people listen to Machine Gun and like, they had to be like, what am I doing with my life? Like, what, how am I, like, you had to like reconcile it somehow, you know? And uh, the maybe that wears off a little bit if you're not there in person or not there during the time. But like when it came out, that's sort of part of it. Um, you know, yeah. Vietnam yeah. was going on, all these kind of things, right? So like, it's like, it's like, why am I getting shot at? Like listening to music. I don't want to get shot at. I just want to listen to a song. Like, well, why is mm-hmm. somebody shooting me? You know, like that's the way that you feel when you listen to that song a little bit. So like, um, anyway, yeah, it's just kind of a fascinating thing. So like most people probably don't want that, you know, or they're not willing. It's like asking people about like, why are we here? What's the exit? Why? Let's talk about the universe <laughs> like people are like i don't want to talk about the universe like it's too big to even talk about i don't want to talk you know and i'm not interested in that conversation because then i have to deal with like dying and like all these other things like yeah the this? bigger questions yeah bigger questions that no one wants to really face so as an artist it's kind of like one of those what kind of music do you want to make do you want to make the kind of music that does challenge people that maybe is going to make them have a mental breakdown or whatever <laughs> um and it could be about like he wasn't even like it could be a love thing like for him his perspectives like there's the there's the love songs where it's like everything's great and she's perfect and aren't we a perfect couple and everybody lives happily ever after but then there's the songs that are like yo does he have a job does she have a job like did she get did she go to college like is she actually working on anything like well like what kind of bills did she have does she have a ton of debt does he have a ton of debt like um did did his dad used to beat him up? Like, like these are yeah. kind of like the things, like, like real things to deal with. And you like, I don't know. Anyway, those are the songs that we appreciate in hindsight as well. That's sort of like, you're like, man, that's a pretty serious song, but like, it means a lot to a lot of people, mm-hmm. but, um, also isn't the feel good kind of like songs that a lot of the stuff that we listen to is. So, Anyway, I, I found it kind of interesting too, and sort of related to the, all this as well. Yeah, yep. I mean, we're always going to take some type of artistic and expression and use it as comfort. That's just human nature, right. and we're always going to take some of it and you, 
and artists are always going to take some of that and use it to shove our faces in mud, you know, to, to wake us up to some extent. That's kind of like the, the mentality of it to an extent. It's not necessarily an F you to everything as much as it is of, of a peeling back of the, um, what's it, the rose tinted glasses. Yeah. You know, with things. And it's, I mean, I don't begrudge the people that have used that word a lot today, but I'm going to keep using it. That's my word of the day. Uh, not really. I'm just making it the word of the day. That's but, the name of your next album, Begrudged. Yeah, Begrudged. <laughs> uh, yeah, that might work. But um, the uh, the whole point is that, like, you know, sometimes you do need to tap out. Sometimes you don't need to hear. Oh, yeah. All the balance. It's a not even necessarily a. I remember a friend of mine who's a priest made a a point. He's like, all things in moderation, including moderation. So it's like, yeah, I get that's good point. Um, And that's uh, that's kind of like the the idea with when you encounter art that's challenging. That's exactly what it should be, and you should get hit in the face, but then at the other times you need to go and just, just watch something to tap out for a second. Sure. You know, it's like, uh, what's the way to put it with, uh, yeah, it, my brother made this point when I decided to really get into music seriously. I was like, I'm never going to play video games again. I'm done playing video games. I need to dedicate all the time to music. And he's like, dude, you need an outlet. He's like, you don't really watch TV. You don't, enjoy sports you don't do this you don't do this you don't do this you don't do this like everything about you is wrapped in the music that's a recipe to burn man you you gotta have some type of thing to go and decompress so i do and that's my guilty pleasure every then and again which is you know when i like right now i have two solo concerts that choral thing and i'm recording that uh, the 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 project album which and I it's barely like, started. If not. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm recording it in the sense of still getting mic positions to where I'm happy. In fact, I reached out to a couple of friends. I'm like, you got to help me with this. I can't do it myself. Like me, miking somebody else, not a problem. I'm happy with it. Myself, I'm losing the mental game in that respect. It's like I'm just not getting the sound that I want. And there's always that underlying thing in my head going, maybe it's just because you're not that good. You know, which is like, screw you, voice. You yeah, know, of screw yourself. I know that I've gotten some great sounds for myself at one point. But, <laughs> you know, uh, it's uh, now I'm at a point where it's like I, I reached out to somebody. I'm like, I will pay you to come to my house and help me set up these microphones just just so I can get it done and I don't have to worry about it. You know, um, so we're working out times for that uh, just to come in and, and do it. Because like the last things I recorded, they sounded good, but I got new microphones and I want it to sound better. You know, it's yeah. a particular type of space that I want in in the recording. Um, so I don't know where I'm going with this. I lost track of where I was before, but it's late. So we should probably start to wrap things up because I'm starting. It's not the knob creek. What's the day again? <laughs> what day is it? It's almost the next day. That means I'm gonna. I'm not gonna pay super hard tomorrow, but it's gonna be. It's gonna be a rough one. So <laughs> I, I already pity my students. <laughs> All right, so if you hear this, if you made this this far, congratulations! Congratulations! Tune into my show on February second if I actually get this. February second, the two 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 two. It's a two. full acoustic night terror show, first time yeah. ever. I'll be playing and you get to see my too. guitar. That's right, and, get- and I'm, I'm borrowing Adam's guitar for 
some of it too. So it's going to be uh, pretty killer. Cool. Yeah, I'll probably. That's tomorrow. No, that tomorrow's the first. Two, it's uh, Wednesday. Yeah. Well, Wednesday. Two two. Oh, it it would be it had to fall on a tuesday we really missed that you know no that, yeah, that's right if it was a tuesday maybe the 22nd is on a tuesday i think yeah because there was some meme floating around where it's going to be two two twenty two or two maybe it's you know what right, let's, let's give find up. out let's let's do we really need to know i do need to know because we're ending on such a feel high note. feel free to tune out at this point <laughs> yeah let's see we're scrolling down yep it's Tuesday, the 22nd of February, uh, 222222022. Boom, there it is. It's all set. So, yes, it does hit. All right, at least we got that going for us. (laughs) That's right. Well, somebody needs a gig that day. Yeah. (laughs) If anybody does, you've got to mention that. That's right. They probably will if they're a decent performer. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to our first official. cross talk here so more to come more to come and more articles and complaining so <laughs> <laughs> catch you all later later